It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, hurrah, boys, hurrah, down with the traitor. Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only at KNews 98.5, broadcasting to all of San Luis Obispo County from the great metropolis of Santa Margarita. We broadcast to northern Santa Barbara County and southern Monterey County. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I've tried Slow County cases since 1978. Among those have been suits striking down unconstitutional election laws, city ordinances criminalizing homelessness, and the Bureau of Cannabis Control's authorization of cannabis billboards on Highway 101. It has been my privilege to repeatedly serve as Superior Court's special master and to help people protect their families and real estate with their estate plans. I bring you officials, lawyers, and organizations shaping public policy and law on Slow County Public Policy and the Law. Last week, I spoke with attorney Jessica Crutchfield about what property owners and purchasers of real estate can do to protect themselves from EPA actions and liability. She provided information folks can use to avoid liability for expensive cleanup of toxic materials found on or under their property, they're owning or that they're buying. If you missed Miss Crutchfield's important policy perspectives, log into the podcast at last week's interview, knews985.com. That's knews985.com. Then click on the tab for Slow County Public Policy and the Law and scroll down to the latest podcasts. And you can also listen to Slow County Public Policy and the Law Independence Weekend Special. Well, today, folks, we have two important voices weaving policies in the county of San Luis Obispo. In our first hour, I am looking forward to talking with Debbie Peterson, former Grover Beach mayor and author of books and articles that have exposed endemic corruption in local San Luis Obispo County government agencies. In my second hour, I will converse with Heather Moreno, mayor of Atascadero and a candidate campaigning for 5th District County Supervisor at the March 5th 2024 election. But right now, I am so pleased to introduce former Grover Beach Mayor and Councilwoman Debbie Peterson. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Oh, thank you, Stu. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to see you again. You know, a lot of our listeners are not from Grover Beach, so I thought it would be a good idea if we talked a little bit about your background. I know that you actually owned and uh, operated a major cookie manufacturing company in Scotland for quite a long time, but where, where are you originally from, Debbie? Well, I... I Born in Texas, my dad was in the Air Force, moved to Kansas, where my family was from, until I was 10, then went to Ohio for a year. But I feel like I grew up in California, because from the time I was 11 until I went away to college in Idaho, I lived in Fresno, California. So I call Fresno my home. And so, of course, naturally, this was your beach community. You bet. Yeah, my family (laughs) owned property over here for over 50 years, and we escaped over here. And then finally, we all got smart and moved here, like everybody else. Like everybody else. Yeah. Everybody who can. Um, What drew you into Grover Beach city politics? I... I wanted to serve my community. I figured it was time. And I had I had neighbors who were suggesting that I run for city council. 
And I, I had a small child at that point, and I felt it was more commitment than I could do with a full-time job and a small child. So I applied for the planning commission, and I did that for four years and, and chaired, chaired it for another two years, and then, then ran for city council for four years. And it was because, as you'd mentioned earlier, I, I owned a manufacturing bakery in, in Scotland and lived there for 20 years and actually ended up becoming the young Scottish business personality um, one year. And I got a lot of other awards, one from Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher for business enterprise. Wow. Yeah. I hired a lot of really young people and I was really young myself. So we had a lot of fun with that. And But my business was about the same size of employees, about the same size of budget as the city of Grover Beach. And I had worked with a lot of government agencies in Great Britain on entrepreneurship and on redevelopment. Grover Beach needed some redevelopment and they needed some help with their public image. As, as we all know, we used to always joke about their streets. Well, everybody joked about their streets. Well, and of course, uh, back in the day, it was the city of Grover Beach, or excuse me, the city of Grover City. It was Grover City. Yeah. yeah. Named after D.W. Grover. And and there was an archway uh, on uh, Grand Avenue from uh, Route 1, and it actually had a picture. Well, I remember as a boy of D.W. Grover, and it said, the city of Grover City, home of the common man. Yeah, and it still is. I was speaking to someone this morning about what a friendly, unpretentious little city it is, mm-hmm. and um, it still is is a very welcoming, friendly little place. Yes. It's a great little town. Yes. Well, now you uh, you had decided that uh, you'd managed a company as large as uh, the employment of Grover Beach. Uh, what what uh, what did you do once you got onto the city council? Well, I did what all council members do. Well, the first thing I did, actually, is I went in and I said, how do you get things done around here? And I got blank looks. <laughs> and, uh, I also spoke to some of the mayors and said, former mayors, and said, how do you get things done around here? And same thing, change the subject. And, and then I realized that, well, really, how you get things done is with the city council. There are five people, and you all have to, you have to three of them have to agree, or two of them have to agree with you. You have to persuade them. You have to have a majority, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, if it's something that doesn't need the whole city council, I decided I would just keep asking nicely until I got what I wanted. And that usually works. Well, uh, as a council member, then you were elected mayor. Uh, Yeah, I was on the council for four years. Then I was the mayor for two years. And then I went back to the council for two to three years. uh Yeah. And um, you served on, as many council members do, you served on a lot of boards and commissions. Yes. Yeah. These uh, joint powers arrangements between cities. uh, And special districts. Special districts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Water boards, sewer boards, all kinds of boards, little local boards. And when you were on those, uh, well, particularly the the sewer board, uh, you noticed some things that just didn't look right. I actually, as a council member, there were four out of the 17 boards I sat on where I was really concerned that if there wasn't corruption or fraud, they were wide open for it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't necessarily think there was. I thought maybe we're just a small community. We don't have the, you know, the training background resources. Um, I didn't necessarily see it as corruption. And and in a couple of the cases, I worked with some other women and we turned it around. but yeah, the sewer board was a different story. When before I even got um, before I even got seated in office as a council member, a former mayor came to me and said, "There are some serious problems at the sewer board, Debbie, and you need to clean it up." 
<laughs> I said, well, Because that me... former mayor hadn't been able to, apparently. Uh, well, he didn't yeah. know about it at the time ah, okay. when he was the mayor. And um, he was, someone was bending his ear. And, um, and so he came and bent my ear. And uh, I found out that there was nothing I could do about it because we had a mayor who was controlling everything. And, and as the mayor, it was his position to sit on the board, but it wasn't his mayor to control who sat on the board. Um, and, or wasn't, did I say that wrong? It wasn't his um, authority to control who sat on the board. I see. And um, that was a problem. Nobody could get past that because the city attorney and the city manager kind of went along with him. Uh, well, now, uh, after doing all of that, uh, you eventually actually had a fair, very public resignation from the city council where you said you were leaving because you had discovered that there was endemic corruption and you didn't, couldn't be involved in that. Yeah, we, uh, Grover Beach brought cannabis to town mm -hmm. and I was in favor of, of legalizing cannabis, still am. The problem was that the council at the time was either turning a blind eye to or, um, well, turning an eye, if they weren't accepting bribes, they certainly knew bribes were being offered and did nothing about it as far as I'm aware. So, um, and, and you know, we'd managed, I'd managed with other folks and, and you were part of this, Stu. You advised on a lot of Sunshine Law and Brown Act type of um, issues. Um, and I, I just, I, it got to the point, it, there was so much money in the cannabis and that there was absolutely nothing more I could do. And that was the hardest thing I've ever done. That was the hardest two minutes of my life was resigning because I knew people elected me because they, they because I did what I did and I didn't want to let them down. Well, sure. Well, this is Stu Jenkins at Slow County Public Policy and the Law, KNews 98.5. We are speaking with Debbie Peterson, former Grover Beach mayor and author of a number of books and articles that have exposed endemic corruption in local San Luis Obispo County government agencies. And I suppose we ought to talk a little bit about those, uh, Debbie, because uh, uh, they're, they're really amazing works. Um, and some of the things that you were describing uh, actually were in uh, uh, statements put out by the U.S. federal attorney when they announced the indictment of uh, one of the marijuana drug kings here in the county. Um, but one of, one of your books is actually entitled The Happiest Corruption. And uh, I want to tell you, folks, this is a good read. It's not just a, something that uh, describes uh, what's been going on over the centuries in San Luis Obispo County. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah. One of the reasons I resigned is because I, I felt maybe the best thing I could do would be to just say what was going on. Mm -hmm. And yes, almost word for word, um, the FBI came out and said, or the U.S. Attorney's Office came out and, and said there were $100,000 bribes being offered, which is exactly what I said on KSBY News. Whoops, am I allowed to say that here? You, you are. We, <laughs> it's a we, TV station. We honor television stations. They all started out as radio stations. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I, I felt that maybe my time would be better spent writing a book and exposing it. And I have a degree in, in communications, and, and so I was in a position to be able to do that. And so I, and the reason I called it the happiest corruption is because Oprah, in 2011, called us 
San Luis Obispo, our county seat, the happiest city in, in the America. country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And uh, so we're very happily corrupt. Maybe that's part of it. And then the the subtitle is um, Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California Beach Town. I wanted to say Sex, Lies, and Suicide, but Amazon wouldn't accept that. So we had to change it to Sleaze. Ah, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> there, there are descriptive features in there. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> well, now, uh, if somebody wants to read The Happiest Corruption... How would they get a hold of it? You can get it in any bookstore. You might find in some San Luis Obispo bookstores, you have to, they've got it hidden in the back because they get a little bit of grief sometimes. Not everybody wants to hear about the sleaze, lies, and suicide. Um, but it's, it should be available in any bookstore, and you can also get it on Amazon, or Barnes & Noble online. Okay, okay. Anywhere you get books. And um, it's only got, uh, let's see here, 436 pages, folks. Started out as a lot more, and that's yeah. why there are two that followed. <laughs> well, tell us about the other uh, the other books you've authored on this subject. Well, Can initially, you? I had all the how-to things. You know, my idea is if I could get your attention, please, would someone read this book? And, and it's a great read. It is. It's a true crime. Um, if, if I've got your attention and it matters to you, then you can read City Council 101, Insider's Guide for New Council Members. This is for people who want to get into government yes, and want to, to operate correctly. Yeah, yeah, for so. for honest operators, exactly. Yeah. And um, so it just details all the things. There's no playbook. No one tells you how to do it. You go in, the, everybody goes in like I did, saying, how do you get things done around here? And you get blank looks. So um, this this tells you the things that, that you don't get told anywhere else. City Hall never tells you. And... Um, but it works not just for people who want to be elected, but for people who want to understand how to be involved. It's it's a great it's a great playbook for that as well. Well, and and most cities in California, anyway, um, and there are some exceptions that have older charters usually. Mm. Uh, but most cities, uh, general law cities like Grover Beach, the uh, city council hires two people. They hire the city manager and they hire the city attorney. And uh, everybody else works for one of those two people. So um, council members don't have any direct control over any of the departments, do they? Yes and no. I mean, they act as a board of directors, but if you take that another step out and you look at the fact that we all were raised saying we have three branches of government Mm -hmm. and we all think we do, we think there's accountability, we think we have the executive, the legislative and the judicial, Um, we don't, not at the local level. It's, It's up to us as individuals to be, to hold them accountable because if they hire, if the city council hires everybody, there's nobody to stand up to them. Now the the dis, the attorney can the district attorney can, um, but they usually don't. Right. Ours is doing a pretty good job of that, but we uh, had to that's, spe- that's work Mr. hard. Mr. Dandow. <laughs> Mr. Dandow is doing okay. a pretty good job, um, but it took a while. Yeah, and, and it frequently takes a long time for the information to bubble up to where a district attorney or an attorney general can actually do anything. Uh, where they they actually have evidence to move forward. And in some cases like our integrated waste management authority, it all gets shredded before and then they can then they have no evidence to convict. Folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. We're talking with former Grover Beach Mayor Debbie Peterson who uh, like 
like many uh, mayors in this city, sat on the board of the Integrated Waste Management uh, Authority. Um, and, and some of our listeners will recall that uh, ultimately uh, one person who worked in that agency was prosecuted for embezzlement. And uh, the director uh, resigned and uh, seems to have left the state, uh, last I heard. Well, I'm glad to hear that. But uh, they, <clears throat> under a cloud. And uh, uh, there were uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars that seemed to have gone off uh, in ways that did not benefit the public. Yeah. So that's... Uh, the, the, that's one of the four agencies you thought you ran into where there was either such significant uh, mismanagement or there was out-and-out corruption. Uh, the other was the South County uh, Sanitation District. Yeah, the South Slow County, um, South so South San Luis Obispo County Sanitation District. That's yeah. right, and, mm-hmm. and the director, executive director of that was actually prosecuted by the district attorney for... Um, Conflicts of interest. Yes, uh, self-dealing. Self-dealing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I, I haven't heard anything bad about the San Luis Obispo South County uh, Sanitation District in a while. Does it? Are, do you have a sense that it's finally uh, operating up with integrity? I think it's better. I think it's better. I, I still have some concerns about um, some of the ways they're financing things. I think they could have done it um, far more efficiently, far less expensively. And I really don't have a right to speak on that because I didn't go in and, and speak up about it. Okay. Now, you mentioned there were four agencies that you had uh, problems with or questions about. What were the other two? Well, one of them was our Grover Beach Chamber of Commerce, and um, I I probably can't say too much about that, except that um, they ended up uh, being, oh goodness, $32,000 in the hole, and were rescued by the Arroyo Grande Chamber of Commerce, so now we don't have a Grover Beach Chamber anymore, we have a joint chamber. You have a joint Mm -hmm. chamber, okay, And, and how about the fourth Um, entity? The fourth one was the Air Pollution Control District, Ah, and... um, I had a lot of concerns about the way that one was run and, and, and about the reports that they were putting out, which were inaccurate mm-hmm. and uh, were telling people that they were dying of uh, air pollution that, in fact, was not accurate. And it, it, it cost people a lot of money and a lot of time and caused a lot of fear and angst. And a lot of conflict. A huge conflict. Yeah. 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 See, um, well, let's see. We've talked about City Council 101 a little bit. Uh, what does is, what is that particular book uh, help people with? Well, um, it'll, it'll teach them how the sunshine laws work. It'll talk a lot about what you have a right to say and don't have a right to say about um, open government and free speech. And um, also how Robert's Rules of Order works and why it works that way. And it sounds incredibly boring and dry, but the reality is that the inspiration behind it is phenomenal and i know you know that Stu, as a student of the constitution well it and um folks uh, uh, i can tell you i got into robert's rules of order and bought a copy of it when i had a big case that uh, was challenging some constitutional 
issues uh, concerning, I was representing the Democratic Party of San Luis Obispo, actually, in a lawsuit against one of its former members, or brought by one of its former members. And, you know, I thought this is going to be the most boring book I've ever read. And you know what? It's actually interesting. It's a good read. I recommend it to anybody who's interested in government uh, at any level, whether they're on a planning commission or uh, city council. Um, It's a very good guide to the way that um, people can organize themselves and have civil debates that come to a conclusion and uh, are are able to move forward on any issue. And, uh, you you know, you'll you'll probably think, oh, this is going to be the most boring book in the world. But I te- I'm telling you, if you go get yourself a copy, it's not only a good education, it's a, it's a darn good read. And I, uh, that's exactly what I did. I read it cover to cover before I became mayor. But it's also great in service groups or almost any organization you're in. That's and right. I'm going to be doing a, a weekly uh, training session for people who want to uh, make a difference in their communities. And I'm going to run it according to Robert's Rules of Order. And explain why we do what we do so that people can learn it. That's a, that's a good way to do it. Uh, sort of the Cal Poly learn by doing yeah. system. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Well, now, you, you've, uh, I'm really intrigued by this one book you have. Um, and by the way, folks, uh, Debbie was kind enough to bring copies here to the station for us. Uh, I love this title, Wickedly Smart Women. Trusting Institution, Taking Action, Transforming Worlds. What is that? Well, Wickedly Smart Women wasn't my idea, but I sure got a kick out of it. And um, I was asked by the woman who uh, runs that, Angel Hartwell, if I would do uh, a chapter in her anthology. And so they gave me 2,500 words and asked me to write about, um, well, corruption in my community. And so distilling all that down into 2,500 words was very difficult. And what amazed me when I finished it was that although it was men and women equally who went after the corruption that we found, it was the women in positions of power who actually changed it, who brought who brought the men along and made it, and made it different. And um, then I thought, gosh, that's really interesting. Is that a thing? Is that something that just happened to me or does that happen everywhere? And I found out it's a phenomenon. It happens all over the world. Folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. We're here with Debbie Peterson. Stay tuned after this news break and a couple of very interesting ads. <laughs> 